are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's special guest is Julie Lillis. She is a licensed mental health counselor with Soul Ambition Counseling in Boynton Beach, Florida. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Brandon. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to just get us started with some basics about you and about uh, the work you do to introduce our listeners um, you know, from, from some starting ground there. So can we just start off with that? How did you kind of get involved in counseling and, um, and what kind of work do you do every day? Sure, sure. Um, I get asked this a lot and I became interested in the field of psychology in high school. And looking back, I think I was looking more for answers about myself. And I can remember watching, um, you know, various documentaries and, and information on um, mental health disorders and diagnoses and being very fascinated and trying to diagnose myself. <laughs> so I think that, um, that that's what initially drew me to the field. Um, I majored in psychology in, um, in college and had so many inspiring professors that I really just wanted to continue down that path. Um, I went to Nova Southeastern for my graduate degree, um, and it was a really intense program that I enjoyed so much, um, and, and that kind of just really solidified for me that I wanted to, to be a therapist. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that you were, I guess, part of your initial motivation for getting into psychology was figuring yourself out. <laughs> um, I yes. Think- I think if you actually asked most undergrads, I was a psych undergrad myself, and um, I think if you asked most undergrads uh, why they're interested in psych, I, I would I would imagine a healthy portion of them would say the same thing. You know? <laughs> um, I think I think that's where the um, you know the old saying comes that you know psychologists are the craziest of them all because I think initially <laughs> we're you know we're naturally curious people. And, and really, you know, in those younger years, just trying to figure yourself out. And then that kind of, you know, kind of leads to other things. Right. Yeah. So what I have noticed, um, uh, definitely interviewing those, you know, with backgrounds in psychology, which is pretty much most of the guests on the show, um, you know, their their chosen field is often related to some kind of transformative experience they had when they were younger. So, for example, a lot of therapists that deal with trauma either face some trauma in their own life firsthand or had to help somebody at some point in their lives deal with trauma and that had a serious impact on their lives um you know relationship coaches often have gone through a slew of not so great relationships themselves and um so it's it's that kind of pattern that i often see um but in this case it just sounds like you it was more personal to you it was more like your own kind of process of self-discovery played a bigger role. 
It, yes, but as you're as you were saying that, um, it it kind of rings true for me as well because there were a lot of um, stories that I told myself as a child that now at, in adulthood I look back and I realize weren't true. They were misperceptions or. Um, my skewed way as a child of looking at a very adult situation. So I've been able to go back and reprocess a lot of those earlier memories um, for myself personally that led to, I call them, and, and a lot of psychologists call them rules that we make up that we carry into an adult and in, into our adult lives. Mm. So that, that was my experience and, and I'm still working on it. I actually, you know, just work through, an old memory just the other day while I was running, um, which was really profound for me. So that kind of motivates me to help others do that too, to kind of shine a light on maybe some of the lessons that we took from childhood and kind of take a look at them again and, and make sure that the rules that we made up still apply in our adult life. Right. Yeah. Um, which just lends even more <clears throat> credence to, you know, it just shines a light on the importance of, of the work that therapists are doing with that younger crowd because that younger crowd is generating those rules every single day. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, at that point, they're not even aware of it in those terms. It's just kind of, I guess, basic survival, um, you sure. know, finding yourself in, in that particular world, uh, whatever that world might be in every individual case. Um, it's kind of like a computer, you know, being programmed with those same rules, depending on what task it has to do. That's kind of what you know, um, kind of like what we're all doing, especially at a younger age every day. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, great. So I just, um, I wanted to bring something up that I thought was interesting for anybody who was thinking of starting their own private practice or anybody who, um, well, in your particular case, it's something I noticed on your bio page. So you included an intro video um, and you started off the video by saying, you know, I know contacting um, a therapist or a counselor can be quite intimidating. And actually, this is something that I've seen pop up uh, more and more in a lot of the therapist pages that I have found online, where they include an intro video like that, seemingly, like, you know, explicitly for the purpose of breaking down that barrier. It's not, it's not just purely informational. It's kind of a um, kind of a, like an icebreaker sort of thing. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Like, um, did you really intend it to, I guess, what was your thought process behind including that kind of video? And have you found that it helps in, in breaking down that barrier? Sure. Um, I originally, I got the idea from Psychology Today. I'm a member um, of their on their website and they suggested that we begin putting videos up just to let uh, potential clients know that we were offering virtual services and kind of what that would look like if they were going to book a virtual session in light of the pandemic. Um, but then I took it a step further and I added a longer video to my website um, because I, I did think that that was a really great way to allow the client to see your face and um, to kind of um, bring it into the present. So it's not this big, you know, scary experience, um, you know, because it's a very vulnerable spot to be in when you're coming into therapy, you have to admit that you need some help, which can be hard for some people. And another reason why I think the video is so helpful is because the number one, um, the, the biggest factor for me 
in, in my success with clients has been the relationship between me and the client. Um, and so I think a video really allows the person, you know, the potential client to, to see the person and see, you know, is this someone that I could see myself, you know, being comfortable with? Do I like this person? Because mm. if you don't like your therapist, you're not going to get very far at all with them, even if they could be the smartest and have, you know, the most ama- amazing tools um, to offer. But if you're, if you don't like them or the relationship isn't a safe one, it's not going to work. Um, so that was the biggest motivator for me was just to allow people the chance to see what my personality is like and see if it would be compatible to theirs. Interesting. Interesting. So it's it's not it's primarily, of course, for the client to see if it's a good fit, but it also has a benefit for you as well, because if the client isn't getting much out of the relationship, I mean, that's not really the kind of uh, client relationship you see yourself in long term either. And right. so um, it's kind of this mutually beneficial thing where since the client has first contact with you, as opposed to the other way around, they can kind of start that um I guess, matching process, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as a therapist, you really can't have an ego about it. And and you just accept the fact that some people are going to like you and some people aren't. And I'd rather them know that, you know, before making the appointment so that they can get the help that they're looking for quicker and not waste their time coming to see me when, you know, someone else that's a better fit for them could be out there. Right. Okay, great. Yeah, I wanted to make sure to just briefly touch upon that because, so many of the listeners on the show are in that stage where they're kind of just starting to create their online presence. And um, they're also trying to figure out what the best fit between them and their clients really is, like what kind of areas to focus on and um, and things of that nature. So I, I, I wanted to include a bit of, about that. We haven't spoken about that yet on the show. But like I said, I have seen it pop up more and more. And so it seems to be a it seems to be an effective trend for sure. Um, okay, so I wanted to discuss more about, I guess, the core subject of the show, of, of the episode, which is your specific work. So I know that you are certified in Gottman Method Couples Therapy, right? So I'm on the certification track. I'm not certified yet. I see. I, okay. Um, yeah. So I've done all the education part. I'm currently um, consulting with uh, someone from the the Gottman Network, she's certified, and I should be, I'm hoping to be certified by next summer. Got it. Okay. Um, well, for the purpose of the episode, um, it kind of serves the same purpose, I guess, because you're familiar with, obviously, the kind of theory behind it and, um, and why it can be so effective. So can you just, uh, I guess, explain to listeners what the Gottman Method is and how it can be applied in couples therapy? Sure. Um, I love Gottman Method Couples Therapy because it is it is so structured and research based. Um, John Gottman and his wife, Julie, have done um, extensive research on couples and the way that they did it. I just found so fascinating. They um, they made something that they call a love lab. And they would have couples live there and interview them. They would be hooked up to heart rate monitors um, and they would receive therapy while there. And they followed those same couples over the course of, um, gosh, some of them over 30 years. And so what they found was across all different types of couples that um, they, they classified them as either masters or disasters. And so the 
the disasters used four behaviors with one another um, that usually led to increased conflict. And those were criticism, defensiveness, um, stonewalling, and um, contempt. So contempt being one of the most dangerous ones and basically just belittling, being sarcastic when you get into a fight. Mm -hmm. um, so what they did was they took those four behaviors that they found to be the most common in, in couples that are struggling with one another, and they came up with antidotes to that behavior. Um, and so as a therapist, what I do is I look for, I, I educate the couple on those behaviors and then we, we look for those behaviors in sessions and try and correct that each time so that the, the new behavior becomes the habit and you kind of shift the dynamic in the, in the relationship between, um, from that of a very, you know, high intensity, uh, conflict driven couple to one that's, um, uh, expressing more fondness and appreciation for, for one another. Right, right. Okay. So that kind of covers the, um, I guess, disasters half of it. Now, for the master side of it, is there a kind of matching set of behaviors or? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the masters were often um, scanning their environment for, um, for things that their partner was doing right and was often being verbal about that or showing appreciation in some way. So a lot of appreciation, a lot of gratitude. Um, the masters were also able to dialogue about something that they didn't agree on um, without, you know, without being disrespectful to the other. So the basic premise is that, um, you know, that it's the acknowledgement that we're all living in our, our own subjective realities. And so when you have a, a situation with your partner that you're disagreeing on, if you can respect and acknowledge that, that they have another position and, and you may not agree on it. Once you understand that and you have an understanding and a respect for that position, it's easier to compromise from there. Interesting. Okay. So I just hearing the way you're describing the Gottman method, it seems it would be um, amenable to, let's say, role-playing during a session um, with the therapist? Is that something that's that's typical when when using this technique? Um, so usually the technique, um, there's, there's various um, conflict-solving skills that we teach the couples, um, but, but typically we would have the couple facing each other and they would um, discuss an issue, maybe a recent argument that they got into, um, or a perpetual problem that keeps coming up in the relationship. And we would guide the couple and, and help them through that discussion. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. That just, I, I can only draw upon my own personal experience, I guess. Um, in well, not so much in my own marriage. Cause I, I, I think in my own marriage, thankfully it definitely seems more of the, uh, master side than the disaster side, but I can draw upon, my parents' marriage, and definitely that one seems more like the disaster side. So drawing upon that experience, it seems to me that it can be the case that, let's say, one of the parties in the couple can seize, uh, you know, can kind of stop doing one of the four uh, damaging behaviors, at least outwardly, but then harbor some resentment kind of, you know, like inside, like hidden, where it's not necessarily being expressed. For example, you said contempt is like the worst one. Well, contempt can be felt without anybody knowing it. And so um, do you find that that often is the case maybe where 
the client yes. maybe stops outwardly showing it, but then that's still, and actually that can be worse in a way because now it's like building up. Yes. Um, so, so one of the, the key factors when, when doing Gottman is to make sure that the communication is open. Um, so that happens. What you're describing is when one person is trying to use the tools and the other person is either unaware that there are tools or just isn't using them. Um, and in that case, you would see what you're, you would encourage the partner who's, you know, who's feeling the resentment to use what they call a gentle startup to express that. So I, I can just give a quick example. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling, um, you know, frustrated that your husband didn't do the dishes, an example of, of criticism would be you're so lazy, you didn't do the dishes. So mm -hmm. what we teach is to put a little distance between what the complaint is and the person. So you would say you would start it from a gentle startup with the feeling first. So I feel frustrated and then you would say about what? And so because the dishes didn't get done. So you're not saying you're not attaching that to the person. You're just saying this is the event that happened and I'm feeling frustrated. And then you would follow that up with what what you would like to happen. You know, um, can you you know, can you be more mindful of that? Or um, I'd like them to be done, you know, right after dinner. And then you also want to add in some appreciation and grace with a thank you or a please. Um, so, so that's how that would be expressed. And so when you're, when you're voicing a complaint in a relationship, the, the key point is to make it about you and what you need and not the other person. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, what I like about this overall method is that it's very actionable. Um, the, the kind of strategies that are being used are those things that you can use in your day-to-day -day life in an actual argument because i can imagine perhaps a different type of kind of philosophy behind couples therapy that it's kind of more general and like top level uh where you have to try to practice compassion try to try to you know be patient and try to be understanding and try to be empathetic and all of these very nice kind of general uh thoughts that they, that you might share and try to emphasize with the client but then when you're actually in a disagreement at home you kind of you have nothing to turn to you have no rule book or no strategy book no playbook to turn to uh, but the, the difference with the Gottman method it seems is that it's all about retraining the client to engage in more constructive dialogue right absolutely yeah mm -hmm. yeah so that it seems like the biggest strength at least from the way I'm hearing you describe it yeah. And there's also a big focus on self-soothing. So if you can, if you can practice hearing something that you don't agree with or hearing something that makes you feel angry and just regulating within your own and not responding to that anger, you can still have a conversation that's very difficult and have your partner say things to you that are difficult to hear and manage that internally without um, kind of having an outward expression of that of that anger in some kind of an aggressive way. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this this definitely sounds like it takes full buy-in from both parties. Um, again, it does. Yeah, again, thinking back on yeah. my own experience, if one party is unwilling to um, kind of be retrained, as I as I mentioned before, then, um, then this is not going to work at all. So yeah, I, I can imagine that would be the, the biggest first step is getting buy-in from both sides. 
Yes. And that's really important in the first session. That's one of the things that I love about this method the most is that there's so much science and there's so much research to back everything that you're, you're trying to teach them that very rarely do I get, um, any partner who, who is reluctant, you know, because after you kind of explain how it's going to work, it's so structured and it's so, um, it's, it's so organized in such a way that you've just got to kind of follow the steps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well to that, I I might say, I want to introduce you to my stepdad, but, uh, but that's, uh, maybe we'll talk about that after we're off the air. Um, all right. So I, I know that the, the, the main focus of the show obviously is kind of how all this relates to coaching. Um, so I wanted to kind of pose that question to you. Um, do you think coaches can also, I mean, obviously you're a psychotherapist, but do you think coaches can also employ this general framework in their own work? Um, and if so, what is it about being licensed as a psychotherapist that maybe you think, um, what kind of extra edge does that give you apart from being just a coach? Sure. Um, so from my understanding with coaching, coaching is more um, for for people that don't have like a a mental health diagnosis or aren't Mm -hmm. suffering from a mental health illness, they're already pretty, you know, high functioning and and need certain help or mentorship in a certain area of their life, um, which I think can be, you know, so valuable. Um, In therapy, I think therapy is more kind of digging, well, for me, and my approach is more digging into um, earlier experiences and finding out where you're replaying that out in your current life. So it's a, it's a little different. I think coaching is more directive and more, you know, um, future forward focused. Um, whereas in therapy and counseling, you kind of take, take a step back and kind of try and figure out what, how, how you got to where you are and how not to repeat those patterns. Right. Right. No, I think you're exactly right. Um, that is kind of the distinction that's often drawn. I kind of have my own take on it, which I, um, I mean, I, I, from my conversations with coaches and therapists, it seems to me that with therapy, most of the transformation happens within the session. And with coaching, a lot of the transformation happens outside of the session. Now, just like with the before, just like the past focused and future focused distinction, that's obviously an oversimplification. And even, you know, uh, it, it might, it might, you know, it's not that neat of a divide, mm-hmm. but I do think by and large, coaching focuses on strategies that are meant to be employed once you leave the session. And whereas in psychotherapy, it's kind of like trying to have that um, understanding of how you got to this point within the session itself. But yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that definitely seems to me another kind of way to think about it. Um, now. Yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you regarding the Gottman method specifically. It seems to me that that is more, I guess, future focused as well, because it's think it's it's trying to emphasize ways that you can uh, resolve conflict more effectively moving forward. So within the Gottman method, do you also kind of have that deep look back into a couple's maybe individual history or, or history as a couple? Yes, absolutely. Um, you're, you're triggered often in a relationship with your intimate partner by early experiences. So it definitely does go there as well. Um, and, and what, what we try and do is help each partner understand 
where that trigger is showing up in a current conflict. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Um, so you, I guess just to finish off the topic of coaching and therapy, you would say that um, coaches can employ some of the concepts that are introduced in Gottman, in, in the Gottman method within their work. So um, I think the, a lot of the ideas and the concepts that the Gottman is involved in the Gottman method can be used in a variety of different settings. Um, I just want to be, you know, be careful because in, in order to employ the Gottman method, you need to be a trained psychotherapist. But as far as the basic concepts and a lot of the things that they, they talk about, I think that they would be beneficial to, um, to, to anybody, especially in the coaching business. Got it. Got it. So just to be clear, to practice the Gottman method, you need to be a licensed therapist. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's exactly why I asked the question, because I didn't want somebody listening to the show that was thinking of becoming a coach thinking, oh, this sounds great. I can just go ahead and practice this as the, you know, official, right? I I follow the Gottman method of couples therapy. Um, And, you know, I I also didn't want the other extreme where somebody thinks to themselves, oh, the only way that I can, you know, uh, work with clients within this kind of similar framework or using some of these similar concepts is getting licensed and, um, you know, kind of becoming a a psychotherapist. And I think the answer is kind of in between where Mm -hmm. you cannot, you know, in order to say that you practice this method and to be certified within this method, you do have to be a therapist. But from what you're saying, you know, these these general concepts can be applied not only within coaching, but within a lot of different um, modalities. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that was a, it's kind of tricky waters to, <laughs> I, I definitely understand. Um, it's kind of like you're, you're walking a bit of a tightrope there, and which is really the point of the show. Um, you know, I think, I think the show is, uh, you know, one of the focuses definitely is how to navigate those tricky waters and make sure that you're serving your clients in the best way you can without crossing any boundaries that, um, you know, you shouldn't be crossing, right? So Yeah, absolutely. I think most people go into the helping profession with such good intentions, and you can accidentally, you know, do something that you're not supposed to do. So I'm glad that we made that clear. But I, I love the method. And I think I think that it can be applied in a lot of different um, and in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Great. So I want to ask you a question that I often ask um, a lot of guests on the show, <clears throat> one is probably, it's a two-part question. I think uh, one might be easier to answer than the other. And that is, what has been the most rewarding aspect of the work that you've done throughout your career? Um, it could be personally rewarding. Um, it can be kind of a, on the career perspective. So whatever you feel has been kind of the, the best part about it. And then on the flip side, what has been the most challenging aspect of of the work that you do and again that that can either be on the client side on the perhaps on the business side or even on just personally you know personally challenging sure um there I, maybe i'll start with the challenging parts first so i can end on a good note <laughs> but <laughs> okay. the um the the most challenging thing for me is as well something i pride myself on is that i'm i'm very um, I try very hard to stay absolutely present in in the sessions. And with virtual sessions, it's a it's a lot more challenging with technical difficulties and and blips and things like that. 
Um, but when you're giving that kind of energy to people all day long, at the end of the day, you just feel the weight of the world. So mm-hmm. that's been really challenging learning to compartmentalize and, and, you know, put it away so that I can focus on my family and, and my well-being. Um, that's been really challenging. You know, of course, the, the trauma is really hard to hear about. You hear so much suffering. Um, but the rewarding part is, is helping people through that and, and showing them that they are not their past and that they don't have to keep living in that same story that they've been telling themselves. Um, so as far as, as, as that, the actual experience of working with clients, that's my biggest challenge, my biggest reward. Um, the business side can be tricky um, with insurance. I definitely recommend or, you know, even just consents and, and setting up the client relationship. Um, I definitely recommend anybody going into the business to consult with a professional on what kind of documentation you need and make sure that you're protecting yourself. Um, And as far as um, overall in in my career, this has been really rewarding for me because I feel I I have an opportunity to help people and also grow within myself. Um, Every time I learn a new method or a a new style of therapy, I practice it on myself. And so it's been really kind of rewarding to grow right alongside some of my clients. Um, And and I just I love what I do. I love watching people change. And you can kind of see those light bulbs going off right in front of your eyes. And it's pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, exactly. I think that's actually one of the unique aspects of therapy and coaching work alike that, you know, you're obviously in the position of. Um, not so much authority, but you, you would, you're definitely in the position of, you know, somebody who is trained and has experience and is knowledgeable about kind of these topics that clients are coming to you with, but yet you're growing, like you just said, you're, you're growing just as much as the client and over the course of your career, I mean, maybe even more so because you have all of these accumulated, you know, accumulated experiences with all the clients that you see. So you're mm-hmm. just in this constant state of growth. Um, and, and I don't think you can say that about too many other careers where you're the kind of, um, you know, knowledgeable one, or I don't know what how you want to word it, but where you're kind of the expert on any particular field. Um, I think it's kind of a unique aspect of coaching and therapy. And I think mm-hmm. it's definitely something that anybody looking to get into the field, uh, it's definitely in that pros column. <laughs> you know, if you're looking to become just better as a person, uh, if that personal growth is an important factor for you in your career choice, then then therapy work and coaching work definitely fit the bill. 100 percent yeah any exercise that i that i try with a client i always do on myself and i can imagine the same would be for for coaching um so if you're you know if you're taking that self-inventory and you're setting your own goals then you know you're like i said growing right alongside the client which is beneficial for everyone because then the clients get a better therapist and you get to be your best self so it's it's been pretty awesome great Great. Well, that is uh, that's the best advertisement for therapy work I've heard. <laughs> so anybody listening, I think, would get um, a lot out of that, and they would get a lot out of, uh, I think, the whole discussion on on not only your experience as a therapist, but also that the methods you're using. I think that was a good overview of the Gottman method and um, and how that actually plays out in practice. So thank you so much, Julie. This was really helpful. Um, I, I want to give listeners a chance to find out more about you and about Soul Ambition. So, yeah, just tell us how we can find you online. 
Sure. Thank you so much, Brandon, for having me. Um, I, I really loved our talk and I'm so happy just to get more information out about the field and, and where you can get help. Um, the website is uh, soulambitionfl.com. You can also find me on the Gottman referral website and Psychology Today. Um, and we are on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Perfect. Yeah, uh, definitely go check her out. Uh, Julie Lillis, that is again, soulambitionfl.com. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show. And I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one. Thank you.